Welcome in, folks, to our next episode and first show covering the NFL Draft here on Big Blue View. Folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button for the Big Blue View podcast network, as well as leaving us a positive review. We would also appreciate you heading to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. Today, we are going to highlight and explain what to expect with the 11th overall pick names to know, the history of the pick, and a little bit of the background on the overall draft class. Overall, our goal today is to familiarize you with what to know heading into this draft cycle as things are about to get super ramped up with the Senior Bowl around the corner, possibly no combine, but a lot of things that are currently in the works that are likely going to be happening within the next few months until the first pick is in on April 29th. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, again here with Big Blue View. And let's get right on into this discussion on the 11th overall pick. And I I think it's worth noting before we bring up names that you can expect to be on the board for the, uh, the Giants to take here at this 11th spot, we should take a look back at how things turned out in the past for this 11th pick. And if just looking at history, Makai Becton was 2020, 2019 was Jonah Williams, Minka Fitzpatrick was 2018, Marshawn Lattimore was 2017, Vernon Hargraves was 2016, and then Trey Waynes uh, was 2015. As you notice, folks, there's an, a number of defensive backs and then offensive linemen. That seems to be the trend here just based on how these position groups are typically valued. And I think that's more of what we should expect and leads into what we're about to talk about here, Chris, that it's going to be a lot of defensive backs and maybe some linebackers. Yeah, and it, that's not a bad thing. You know, Usually it seems like this is the second, this is about where the second offensive tackle and the second defensive back go. Uh, historically, if the first, if the team drafting first overall isn't drafting a quarterback, which for most of the last 25 years, they've drafted quarterbacks, they're going to be drafting a defensive end or an offensive tackle. So by the time we, teams kind of circle through, this is about where we're getting back around to the offensive line and secondary again. You know, I think Lately, we're starting to see the secondary kind of move up in value. Maybe the second guy is a top 10 value just because of how important the position is at the NFL level. But this year, the Giants do stand a good chance of getting a defensive back. If they if the top 10 shakes out that way and they decide to reinforce their defense, reinforce their secondary in particular, they've got a chance of getting a a cornerback who could be the top corner in another draft class. This is a very good cornerback uh, class. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of volatility for this this corner group based on who believes who is the best. You're going to see mock drafts that have one guy in the first round in the top five or the top ten, and in other mock drafts, that same guy will be a second-round pick, and, and we're going to get into unpacking that, but I really do believe that this pick is likely going to be a, a defensive back just based on the history of the pick. It also very well could be a receiver, and history hasn't shown that it is consistently going to be a, uh, a receiver in this spot, but really anything can happen But based on how this class currently looks, it just appears right now that the defensive back group is going to line up perfectly for where the Giants are sitting. And as we've discussed 
a lot, Chris, over the offseason, that corner position is a key part of the Giants' priority for the offseason. They hypothetically might address that in free agency, but if not, maybe they go sign a receiver that they're content with or they swing a trade and they address that or maybe the same thing for edge rusher or the guy that they wanted is off the board. I think corner is a super realistic expectation for Patrick Graham, who loves to have a lot of moving pieces in his secondary. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw this year how as good as James Bradbury was and as well as the Giants secondary played, when offenses were able to figure out what the Giants were doing, uh, we saw it during that three-game losing stretch between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys at the end of the year. And then we saw it earlier in the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Los Angeles Rams. Once the quarterback and offensive coordinator or head coach, if they happen to be the same, if they happen to be different people, once they figured out what the Giants were doing, they were able to attack it much more successfully. Adding a second corner, now that might seem like a luxury pick, but especially with these guys who are almost man coverage specialists, that would let Patrick Graham have a lot more flexibility in how he designs his schemes, what coverages he calls, and how he's able to attack an offense. And it would make it that much more difficult for an offense to know what the Giants are doing and to come up with a plan of attack that they can consistently execute. And you know, we, we saw how the Giants' pass rush, if the Giants are not able to get an edge rusher with this pick, last year their pass rush was pretty much completely a byproduct of their coverage. So it kind of makes sense to reinforce that. Let's start unpacking some of the defensive names to know and to expect that are probably going to be on the board for the Giants that Dave Gettleman and company will be considering here. Just taking a look at these defensive backs already, J.C. Horn, Pat Sertin, Caleb Farley. This is probably going to be a case of whoever is selected first out of that group of three will inevitably set off a chain reaction for some other corner-hungry teams to say, oh, crap, oh, the first guy that we had on our board is gone. We need to go grab grab the next guy. And, and frankly, just in my opinion, I'm the biggest fan of J.C. Horn. I think Horn should be the guy in this pick if they do decide cornerback. I would be content with Pat Sertain. Not as high on Caleb Farley as some other people are, but I, I really do like that all three of these guys, really all three of these guys, you could be inevitably adding a talented rotation um, or just second guy in your in your secondary opposite of James Bradbury. Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. I think Sertain will be the first cornerback selected uh, simply because he had he has the most tape this year. He had a very good year. He's very highly regarded. That being said, I think Horn has a legitimate chance of being the best corner to come out of this draft class. It kind of reminds me, uh, going back a few years with, I believe it was uh, Mo Claiborne and Stephen Gilmore. Claiborne was really highly regarded coming out of LSU, but Gilmore was the one who became the better cornerback. And maybe that's just because J.C. Horn reminds me so much of Stephen Gilmore. He's got that super aggressive, super physical game about him and honestly his attitude reminds me a lot of Akib Tlaib another really good corner Caleb Farley he does have some work to do but I think any one of these guys would be an improvement and really help kick the Giants defense up to another level of course there's also the chance they could go for linebacker finally to the I, I would say delight of 
a lot of long-suffering Giants fans who maybe have never seen them draft a linebacker on in the first round or even the first two days of the draft. Yeah, I'm really hoping this might be one of the years where they consider taking a linebacker because on the board for them right here, uh, Jeremiah Usakoromoa is very talented, somebody who has been a serious riser over the past few weeks. It's a little bit too early for Nick Bolton for me. I think he'll probably be a late first round, early second guy. But Owusu Koromoa is a do-it-all guy as we highlighted him. He can move around. He's going to play that rover position. He's going to play on the outside. He can cover guys. Not necessarily a pass rusher, but just a fantastic, athletic, movable piece. And you can also lump in Gregory Rousseau in the mix of other non-defensive back guys that are likely going to be talked about in this position. Rousseau, who we highlighted as being a possible top five pick has been passed up a little bit by some other guys that benefited from playing this season, but the Miami edge rusher has a lot of raw talent. That 11 spot for me makes a ton of sense. And I think uh, some team, maybe it's the giants are going to buy in and say, this guy's not ready to play at a high level right now, but if we can just work with him and work him towards playing more of a stand up role, because that's the big thing here is that he has traits and he's not necessarily locked into a set style of pass rusher that you could realistically mold and work with a guy like Gregory Rousseau to fit what Patrick Graham and Joe Judge want as an outside linebacker. The way that we see Lorenzo Carter and Kyler Fackrell play, they could turn Gregory Rousseau into that type of player. Yeah, in fact, I think you could go even a step further with Rousseau if you really like his traits, if you fall in love with his traits and you are very confident in your ability to teach him and coach him up and get him ready to play at the NFL level. You could look at him as a potential Jason Pierre-Paul slash Chandler Jones type player. Yeah, He does share traits with both of those guys. He's athletic. He's flexible for his size, almost ridiculously long. And you know, those guys, they were looked at as strict 4-3 defensive ends, hand-in-the-dirt, every-play type guys. But both of them have made a very good, almost seamless transition to a 3-4 based multiple defense. And both have be, have continued to be extremely disruptive playing in that defensive scheme. And yeah, if you believe in Gregory Rousseau, I don't believe there's a reason why he couldn't play in the Giants defense, especially with a guy like Patrick Graham scheming it up for him. Now, in the chance that they decide to not go defense, which would be understandable if they decide to take the free agency route again in fixing up the defense and maybe signing some guys that Patrick Graham and Joe Judge are familiar with, they could go down the offensive route. And I think it's pretty simple to discuss the um, the offensive implications on this pick because it's very, 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 very likely going to be a wide receiver. There's really not any other position group that I can envision at the 11th pick that they would target, and it's also a matter of who is still available. Jalen Waddell is going to be a really talked about name at this pick. Devonta Smith is going to be a highly talked about player at this pick. If Smith slides out of the top 10, I would be willing to bet that the Giants would snatch him up in a heartbeat based on what he was able to do at the college level, win the Heisman, which is rare for a receiver. All the things that he did, I think the Giants would go absolutely crazy if Devonta Smith was still on the board. And then the last that comes into play here, Kyle Pitts. 
that all depends on how the Giants value him. Most teams are probably going to value him as a tight end. Some teams might value him straight up as an offensive weapon, and others might say that this guy's a receiver. This guy's just a really, really big receiver. We don't want him playing with his hand in the dirt anymore. There's a number of ways that we can go, but right now it just seems like Pitts is probably going to be viewed more as a Darren Waller than he is considered to be a Mike Evans big receiver. Yeah, now we talked about this when we did our scouting report on Pitts. Personally, I view him as a receiver. I look at him and I see Mike Evans or Plaxico Burris, just a guy with a catch radius where you have to alert low-flying aircraft that that this dude's on the field. And he runs routes like a wide receiver. You in fact, there's a lot of wide receivers who just do not have his ability to sink his hips, stick a foot in the ground, and cut, and really beat defensive backs. Like He beat J.C. Horn with his route-running ability. Now, that is just rare for a player. Well, actually, that's rare for any wide receiver, but especially one who would be 6'6", 240 pounds. But, you know, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, we've, we also talked about both of those guys. Waddle would give the Giants that explosive element to their passing game they just do not have. And Devonta Smith, yeah, he was super productive. He incredibly productive for Alabama the, these past two years. Yeah, the question with him, I think, is do you believe that he can play and win on the outside in the NFL week in, week out, play in, play out? Yeah, if you do, and he happens to, somehow happens to be sitting there at 11, you take him. However, if you think he's, he is more of a Golden Tate type player, you know, coming out of Notre Dame as a guy who you know, really would really thrives in the slot and does his best work in space after the catch or in screens, the Giants already have that guy in Sterling Shepard. So that, I think, is going to be a very interesting evaluation. And now to, to also help us illustrate this pick, I'd like to turn to the direction of who to expect not to be there. Because when we start in this early phase, and even when we get to the draft, we'll probably even do a similar style show of just straight up talking about what to expect once we're a few weeks away. Who are the names that are going to be the most inclined in this spot? You have to consider who, again, is not going to be there. Because a lot of fans might be thinking like, oh, oh we can get Micah Parsons or, or Jamar Chase. But those guys are, are likely going to be gone by this point. It's not a foregone conclusion. Two guys like that did not play this season. Um, So there could be some slight sliding on their part because we don't know how NFL teams are valuing players who chose to opt out. But the two big names for me that were originally considered on the Giants' radar that just will not be there at 11 are Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, and Jamar Chase, uh, the wide receiver from LSU. I just don't see either of them being in the picture because there's going to be a a few hungry teams, particularly the Eagles. The Eagles are going to want either of these guys to fix their problem. So expect either of them um, to be in play for just that sixth pick alone, not to mention a number of other teams that are before the Giants. Yeah, certainly. The the Eagles and the Cowboys, you could I could see either one of them taking either one of these guys. Well, maybe not Jamar Chase. Uh the Cowboys are already pretty well set at wide receiver. But both of those teams could also cut into the the cornerback class we were just talking about. I agree it's very unlikely that either one of those players falls. It could depend on 
just how the NFL is looking at them for opting out. You know, if for some reason we don't get the normal, well, not for some reason, if we don't get the NFL scouting combine, if the pro day circuit is, you know, winds up being like last year where, you know, the scouting departments just are not able to get on the road. Teams could shy away from these guys who don't have that year of tape and that could cause them to fall, but it is unlikely. In a normal year, there's absolutely no chance these guys are there. This year, I would say there's a very slim outside chance that hopefully maybe I wouldn't fault you for crossing your fingers. And then just one other name I want to bring up just to get people aware of and maybe start getting familiar with is uh, Texas linebacker edge Joseph Asai. There, I think he is a very good candidate to be a draft process riser. You know, he does have tape this year. He has some really good tape. He could kind of be like a, maybe not a poor man's version of Micah Parsons, but a middle class, upper middle class version of Michael Par- Micah Parsons, where he has that ability to play in space, but he also has a lot of explosiveness, a lot of bend and burst coming off the edge. And it's possible he could wind up being the first edge off the board, you know, even more, even potentially jumping ahead of Gregory Rousseau or Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Yeah, and the other thing with Asai, another player who whose draft stock is probably going to be a swinging pendulum based on how he tests and all that good stuff. He actually could be a name that you could see in the second round for the Giants too, just based on what how things pan out, how early some of these edge players go. Like, heck, you could have. Gregory Rousseau fall until possibly the uh, you know the 20s and the the low teens uh, early 20s and if something like that happens that is probably going to lead to some of these other edge rushers to slide a little bit Quiddy Pay might go a little bit later uh, Joseph Asai again a guy might go a little bit later than people expect so a name to be aware of because there could be some interesting options. Uh, come day two and when you have that 11th pick you're going to be able to possibly grab uh, a guy that you have a first round grade on similar to what happened with Xavier McKinney this past draft and the last thing before we transition our focus to talking about the whole landscape of the draft it's also worth mentioning expect a lot of the top 10 to be quarterbacks there are going to be four guys that will probably come off the board there are going to be trades any mock draft that you read right now is going to be in possible to predict what the final outcome is actually going to be because after Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence go teams are going to be flying up boards trying to make a crazy move to fix their current quarterback issues and even if that's only going from like uh, an eighth or ninth pick up to four or three there are going to be teams that are desperate to do it because they want to resolve their situation and if they're even the slightest bit sold on a guy like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, they're going to do whatever they can to put themselves in a successful position to select a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it is theoretically possible that the Giants could be one of those players or one of those teams that is in a trade. Now, it, it's never happened before, uh, at least not with Dave Gettleman. It's inc- exceedingly unlikely, but it is possible that maybe a team like new england maybe wants decides to trade up to get trey lance if he happens to be there or zach wilson uh maybe minnesota who you know they might want to start grooming a successor to kirk cousins 
this draft is going to be very difficult to predict. Yeah, difficult to predict is the perfect way to describe it just based on what we have, all the moving pieces, all the possible teams that are now interested in quarterbacks. Coming up, we are going to discuss the general overview of the class and what to expect at various position groups. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So if we're taking a 50-foot view, Chris, of this draft class, I want to highlight to wrap up today's show the position groups that have some of the, the best and deeper classes. And the two that come to mind most specifically happen to be cornerback, which we talked about a lot earlier, and happen to be wide receiver, which we talked a lot, a lot about earlier. There's also some some interesting safety names that are going to be around on day two. But that is what is going to put the Giants in a really interesting spot is if they convince themselves and say, all right, you know, we we really, really like Devonta Smith and he's here on the board, but maybe we could just wait a little bit and get a guy like Rondell Moore. Maybe the same thing with Jalen Waddell if they're trying to sell themselves on Jalen Waddell. Like, do I really want to go here with with Jalen Waddell or should we wait to get a fast, speedy receiver like Rondell Moore in the second round when he probably will be available? And I I think that that is going to be the biggest debate now because not only is there some really good talent at this 11th pick, but there's also depth where they could address a different area, maybe draft a guy higher than expected because you want the most talented player in the class at that position and then decide to address corner or receiver later on. Yeah, definitely. Now that, that I think does carry some risk for the giants because we have seen them sit out the last two wide receiver positions wide receiver draft classes for the most part they did select Darius Slayton and and he has been a good find for them considering where he was drafted but we we are coming off of two very very good draft classes that the Giants basically abstained from and they've got the 31st ranked offense they're 31st in yards 31st in points so I think the calculus for them is can we afford to basically stand and just see if wait and see if we can get a better value later on you know they might just need to swallow their pride and just swing on a receiver now just looking at the receiver class i think you can see two very distinct tiers of four players, you know, at the top of the first round and then probably at the top of the second round. You've got Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts at the top of the first round. Then in the second round, you got uh, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall Jr., Kadarius Toney, uh, Chris Olave, and I think all, you could probably also include Rondell Moore, even though he's on the smaller side and that could give the Giants some pause. But, you know, if for some reason maybe the top wide receivers go before they have a chance to select one or they decide to wait, there could or should still be some good wide receivers at the top of the second round. And I think you could probably say the same thing about the cornerback position. Yeah, definitely those two positions. And it's going to be 
a long off season to cover this stuff and, and fill you in on some more names. And I think the goal throughout this process specific to the draft is, is just a, highlighting some of the key guys that are going to be earlier players, highlighting some of the various sleeper guys that you might not be aware of, but really honing in and focusing on those top picks because those are ultimately going to be uh, the most important right now for the Giants to create success in their second season. We're also, as I, we've mentioned before, we're going to cover a, a good amount of the the free agency moves that are going to be coming for the Giants and some of the names that should be circulating around for them. But that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Jody Leone, at Raptor MKII, and at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a positive review. Would be very much appreciated. And additionally, uh, head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. We'll talk to you next week on Tuesday when we will be doing a uh, another evaluation show where we will be talking about the running back group. 